Welcome to Long Covid Physio Podcast, the podcast for physiotherapists and other allied health professionals to share their stories of living with Long Covid and our allies in clinical practice, research and policy to join the discussion. Welcome to Long Covid Physio Podcast. My name is Darren Brown. I am a physiotherapist and I am living with Long Covid. And today we are going back to our original formats of podcasts. We have a lived experience podcast. And today we have Keely. Keely, will you do us the honour of introducing yourself? Hello, my name's Keely and I have Long Covid. I'm I went at the time when the um, brain, <laughs> literally, at the time when the global pandemic started, I had only completed my degree the September before. So I was fresh out of uni, so to speak. Um, didn't know what to expect. Lots of holidays planned that didn't, I didn't go on. And yeah, that's me. <laughs> Oh, well, it's so lovely to have you today. Uh, and especially as a, a relatively, well, I suppose, a new, are you still a newly qualified physio? Does one year into qualification make you newly qualified still? I don't know. I mean, I like to tick that box and say I'm still newer, but people at work are like, no, we've gone for a whole other year now. You're definitely classed as experienced because it's been a year and a half, I think, almost. So I say I'm new. People say I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> and where in the world are you, Keely? I am in Medway in Kent. Lovely. I thought I heard a familiar access, <laughs> accent. I'm also southeast, but I'm Essex. I'm not Kent. There is variety in those accents, isn't there? <laughs> oh, very much so. But people will still say that don't know that, that I'm, they're like, you're from Essex. I'm like, no, I'm from Kent. <laughs> 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 or I forget the T and say Kent. and do you work in Kent as well then yes so I'm actually at Medway Hospital Mm -hmm. Maritime Hospital which was where we had the worst numbers for the whole of the second wave so yippee so you're (laughs) an epicenter of the UK's uh second wave then absolutely um I wouldn't wish that on anyone again now I know how you guys in London felt in the first wave and actually doing it with long COVID compared to working as a normal healthy um, physio it was just completely different I feel, I'd say my words were traumatic. Wow well on that note would you do us the honour of sharing your story of living with long COVID? Yeah sure so I actually got COVID in May 2020 Um, funny enough it was the week of my birthday Um, my birthday was the Wednesday like my brothers and I it was lovely last May that was one of the good things about when I had Covid because it was warm so when I was allowed out of my room I literally just laid in the sun which really helped my symptoms funnily enough Um, but yeah it was my birthday so my brothers and I had like a drink because we all live at home still Um, so the Thursday I woke up and I thought oh a bit of a Maybe I don't remember drinking that much gin. Maybe I'm getting old. I'm 27 now. <laughs> um, maybe this is what happens when you get older and you're not used to drinking so much because we haven't been. We've been, we'd been in lockdown since yeah. mid March. 
um, we were actually coming, we were, I think they were relaxing things then actually, I can't remember. And the numbers were nowhere near that bad. Um, and then the Friday I woke up and I was like, oh, I really don't feel well. I definitely, I was still going to work at this point, checking my temperature, fine, no cough, fine. And back at that point, the only symptoms were consistent, continuous cough and the temperature. So I was like, oh, maybe I do have a two day hangover, but it was weird. I remember walking out my front door to, I asked for a lift that day and I just felt spaced like the, the bush in my garden was moving. That's the only thing I can tell you. It was in my head. It just felt weird. Anyway, thought nothing of it. I felt ill all day that Friday at work. Um, I'm actually an asthmatic. So I was back when we, they first did all the COVID risk assessments they didn't know what would happen. So anyone with asthma wasn't allowed on the COVID wards full stop. So at that time, patients obviously weren't coming to the hospital because everyone was scared initially. I wasn't allowed on any of the wards that had COVID patients. So I was risk assessed out to like the green zone, so to speak, or non-COVID wards. So I was like, oh, there's no chance I've got it. Like, like it just must be me I'm getting old maybe I've had too many late nights I've been stressed burning the candles at both ends you know what you you know what it's like um and I just felt weird all day and I was with a couple of my assistants and I was like in as part of like the green team we called it and I just felt weird I took my temperature six times and if anything it was low it was like 35.4 but I run around 36.2 so I was like oh just ignore it then I did both ears fine and then that night we had another barbecue in the garden because there was nothing else to do at that time. And I was like, hmm. And then they were like, oh, we're going to drink. And I was like drinking with my brothers. And I was like, I just feel rough. I don't feel like I'm getting drunk. I had the Saturday off. So it was my one night in ages that I wasn't doing the weekend. And I was like, oh, woke up Saturday. And I was like, oh, bit hungover. I feel fine. Sunday comes and I thought I was getting sinusy. So I was like, oh, I'm going to walk to Asda get some um, sinusitis relief meds and you know you just battle on still no temperature and then the evening we ordered a Chinese <laughs> and I was like hmm this doesn't taste right still thought nothing of it I thought well I only got rid of sinusitis in February I've probably done too much burnt the candle we're in the pandemic couldn't go on holiday I just need to get a grip basically let my manager know and they were like oh fair enough if you're not well enough tomorrow don't come in woke up in the morning went to have my overnight oats strawberries oats yogurt honey everything that tastes sweet I could taste nothing at this point I was still like oh got a bit of a headache head felt heavy sinusitis nothing wrong get a grip text my manager and they were like hmm it's not a symptom, but more people have started to say that they're losing their taste and smell. Don't come in. Sounds and I was scary. like, yeah. So I was like, fair enough. At this point in the department, only one other person had had COVID. And for her, it was more like a bad flu. And then she came back to work and felt fine. So I was the only person that had actually had it other than her. People had gone off, obviously, at that point isolating and then come back with a negative result so I thought nothing of it I stayed in my room all day did some open uni online training courses to keep myself busy thinking oh I'm starting to feel worse here and then like the Monday night I woke up shivering that's when the temperature hit I thought oh I better take some paracetamol here then I started to feel really tired and I still didn't think it was COVID I still didn't have a cough and even though I had a temperature I thought oh it's sinusitis still fought it the Tuesday, 
Um, I stayed away from everyone in my house anyway, in my own little room. And my mum, because of other health things she has, she isn't deemed high risk. She actually works in a nursing home, residential home. But I stayed away just in case. Um, they, the hospital called me, can you come for your swab? Obviously, the only person in the house at that point was my mum because my brothers were still able to work. My brother's girlfriend who had moved in was still able to go to work. So I was like, yeah, I'll drive to work <laughs> to get swabbed, drove, got swabbed, come back. And then I started to feel a little bit more tired, still sinusy, headachey, but mainly it was the fatigue. Every time I, I couldn't sit up, I had to lay down. Every time I'd go to the toilet and get back, I'd feel like I'd run a marathon. And I thought, right, I've had the flu before. It'll just be fine. Maybe I'm just a bit more run down because I, it was my birthday, you know. Um, and then I got the results back on the Thursday and I got the call and I, they, she went, you've come back positive. And obviously at this point, you've only seen what's on the news. We don't know what's good, what's bad. I, my brothers had already said to me, can you not just go on furlough, even though you're in the NHS and say you don't want to work there? Because if you bring it home, we don't want it. But obviously it doesn't work as simple as that. Like I signed up to a job <laughs> as we all did um, and I cried. And then from then on, things just went downhill. I started like the fatigue slash exhaustion, whatever you want to call it, really hit me. I don't think if I'm honest, I left my bed for a week other than to get to the toilet. Um, luckily, I couldn't taste and smell because I wouldn't have been able to smell how bad I probably smell <laughs> um I couldn't even I was like do I risk a shower but then I couldn't keep my head up for more than long enough to get to the bathroom and back and it's only what four meters from my room um and that was my main symptom when I was allowed out of my room I would go down to the kitchen um make something like a drink and come back up I completely lost my appetite then I started to get the um, shortness of breath, but it was strange because it's not like I work as a physio. You see people in the wards with COPD and they get short of breath and it's with everything they do, but it wouldn't be like that for me. I would literally do the task, then sit down, then it would happen. And then as quick as it would come on, it would go. And I don't know if it's because where I'm asthmatic, I'm used to being slightly out of breath and don't realise or anything like that, but it was really strange to have it. I wouldn't get it luckily I didn't get it as bad as others like brushing my teeth and stuff it would just be like I'd walk down the stairs make a drink come back up and then suddenly I'd feel like heart palpitations and suddenly I couldn't catch my breath like I'd shove my head out a car window on a motorway and then it would be there for about 20 seconds and completely disappear um the feeling tired continued um and I just in hindsight um I shouldn't have gone back to work as quick as I did but I felt pressure, not only with myself, but you kind of think, can I feel this tired? Like I've never, like I felt tired, but can you feel like this? Like it can sitting up really be that difficult. Even I was like, oh, I was like, when I was, um, I'd be like, oh, when, it, when I feel better next week, I'll be fine. And I didn't really do much. And I spoke to the GP and they were like, just take your time, maybe go for a walk up to the park. So I did. Um, and obviously we were allowed out the house at that point because it had been the 14 days, whatever it was at that stage. So my brothers walked with me up there and they wanted to kick a ball about or whatever because they took extra time off at this point. And then I had to sit down and it was just like, why? I go to the gym six days a week normally. I play football every Sunday. I train every Tuesday. At 
before this I was doing like private clients I was I was always out always I was never home never and I just found that I was constantly running on empty and I wasn't sleeping correct like I'd fall asleep fine but I wouldn't stay asleep I'd have weird dreams um not scary at that point they were just weird like strange dreams and I just felt like oh it's all in my head like what people say oh you're tired because you feel you're tired it's like the whole mental health thing you're down because you're making yourself down so I just kind of sucked it up and just got on with life really went back to work first day back by nine o'clock and this was with me getting a lift to and from the hospital I normally walk I felt like I needed to just lie down in a dark room um I don't know what made me stay I think I panicked with being off sick because I'd come back and I know that I'd already had a couple of elements of being sick in the hospital before this and I was you know when HR are onto your case a little bit about why you're ill because I'd had a migraine gone off come back in gone off and it looks worse so I thought well I've come back and I have to stay and I was on medical at the time doing um longer hours 10 hour days looking back now I do not know how I did it I literally I don't know how I went back to football in the July I don't know how I went to work all those months like the this last lockdown was a blessing for me because I realized how much I was pushing myself too much um that's when the brain fog kicked in like I went to see a patient and they needed to be switched to humidified circuit I couldn't say the word humidified to my colleague I couldn't remember how many numbers on the elephant tube in you cut and then when I pull it together I could put it together and do the oxygen and things like that but then I just couldn't remember how to write notes something that I've done since being an assistant since 2015 I couldn't do and I just constantly felt like people were picking up the slack for me I constantly felt like I couldn't do my job properly I constantly felt like is this what my life as a qualified physio is going to be like and it was just hard sorry again a bit emotional yeah and you just feel like how could I have time off when these people need me like what would I do at home just lay in bed like I can't live like that but then who am I here? Can I do my job? Am I safe around these people? Everything all in one. It was awful. And it wasn't until I found you guys, which when was that end of last year that I realized I wasn't alone. And this is probably the first time I've actually spoke about it because back when I had it you had people making judgments oh she she looks like she's having fun in her back garden they've played Monopoly I lied down the whole time I played yes I did play Monopoly with my brothers but I was lying in the garden the only time I felt better was in the sun I don't know if that's psychological or if it's the vitamin D because when I spoke to the consultant in December because I finally went in September to get an appointment because I was like this isn't right I can't go on like this. I am normally the happy, bubbly person. Yes, I always burn the candle at both ends, but I know when to have a night off. Um, I can't I can't live my life like this anymore. I can't not exercise. I can't not do things I, I want to do for the sake of being able to go to work. 
like my life stopped yeah um and when I finally went to her in September she said oh first like she was nice but then I've not seen her since like and I just feel like although oh yeah there's loads of money being pushed into long COVID but for me I've had nothing really medication after medication and then my doctors are trying bless them to follow me up but I just feel like there's there's not enough out there and there's not enough for people like I think like us that had it before it was a thing and I feel like I, I'm I am lucky people have lost members of family I've watched people pass away and had to hold their hands so they're not alone um and that's why I think when I went back to work I made sure that like over Christmas I worked Christmas and I wanted to I FaceTime members on my phone you're not meant to do that but I did it I've made sure that we've had to call family members even more because it's hard you're not with these people and people when you're not around it you can't see it and when it, by the time we got to the second wave I was then like do you know what I've had COVID now like I don't want to be put onto the non-COVID wards. That's how I got it in the first place. So I'm not really at le lesser risk than I am being on there. So it was agreed that I could go to COVID wards with patients, but I don't go to AGP areas. So, and it was like a whole new world to me. I'd been completely in a bubble the first wave. The first wave. Um, I got insight to the wards, 30 litres of oxygen here, having to try and wing people as much as possible because you don't want them to you know use all the oxygen up in the second wave in Medway we had the highest rate in the whole of the UK and it was new and it hit me I think but you learn to what is it what they say you learn to get a guard you just do each day you come home and where I was so tired I don't think it clicked the penny didn't drop what was actually happening until after it happened like I'm quite a selfless person. Like I love my job. That's the reason I became a physio to help other people. But it was almost like I was too tired to realize what was going on in front of my eyes because I would wake up every day and feel like I needed to sleep another 10 years. I would, a 20 minute walk to and from work would take me an hour, but I wanted to walk because I wanted to do something kind of, some kind of exercise. Um, so yeah from that from that consultant appointment in December I got worried because we're, we were still playing football at this point I literally have no idea how I went to football every Tuesday night and I've no idea how after a 10-hour shift I would then go to training I have no idea how I'd then play a match because I'm a wing back I run the whole game um, I just did it and it wasn't until December came and there was a couple of weeks I'd have a week where I'd be fine I can run fine then I'd have a week where I'd have to be taken off because I can't breathe and I think that's when I started to panic because I was like am I gonna have fibrotic lungs has it actually affected my asthma because up until this point it hadn't turns out I was just crashing from being in denial the last six months and then I went into like a three-month crash where words wouldn't come out I couldn't play but it happened to coincide with the lockdown so I was very lucky that I didn't miss football um I then had to take time to put myself first and think actually 
should I have gone to football? And then I joined that team meeting that you were on, I think, um, the educational one about, about COVID and long COVID, one of the earlier ones. And they said, actually, you shouldn't exercise. And I thought, oh, I've been doing that since, I think I made myself start exercising in July. All the way from July to December the 8th was our last game. I exercised. And I thought to myself, well, this is why I could only go to the gym once a week. And then I'd ache for five days. This is why when I played a game of football on a Sunday, I would be dead tired and in bed at night after work until the following Saturday. This explains everything. But then I thought, what do I do with this information? Do I listen to it or do I keep going? Because football's my, my life, really. It was, it's how I stay fit. It's the weekly recommendations in one game because I do 75 to 90 minutes vigorous exercise. It's my weekly allowance in one day. So if I had to drop the gym, I didn't want to drop football. So I didn't. I carried on playing. Rightly or wrongly, that's what I did. And it made me feel good. But that's then where the issue come in, which I learned about in the December. You feel good, then you crash. Um, so this lockdown and Kent being in tier four since December has done me a massive favour. I've now had three months probably to try and get myself back slowly. But that's meant that I've done nothing. So I can walk to and from work on a day when I crash. I when I'm crashing, I know my heart rate goes through the roof, something that my heart rate would normally be 90, it'd be 130. Um, I have headaches. I'm extra exhausted. Um, I can't string a sentence together at all. I replace words with other words that are no, nothing alike, but I don't realize, the worst bit is I don't realize. And then someone will go, you do realize you just said that, or they'll laugh and we joke about it, so it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, and on a good day I'm well rested I can go out and run a 5k in 30 minutes I've not been able to do that since before Christmas I tried to do it three weeks ago on a day off and I ran up to the top of my road and I was like no it's not worth it it's not worth you feeling rubbish at work for it's not worth you feeling rubbish in yourself because you'll feel like you failed it's just not worth pushing yourself to feeling worse. So I finally, I finally learned if my body says no, it means no. The detrimental effect of that is the mental side of it because I love to run. I love to play football. We're finding out now that we can start to train next month and we do have a chance of maybe finishing the season and I want to do that with the team I'm at here before I leave because I'm moving to Nottingham. And I'm at a point where I'm like, what do I do? Because I, my strength's completely depleted, depleted. I used to do 80 kilo deadlift. So I could do, my upper body was always weaker, but I could do military press with 25 kilos. I have a 10 kilo bar downstairs. I do three sets to 10, which is what I make myself do because I could do more. And the next day, my arms feel like they've been through a war zone. It's literally, and the worst bit I feel like it is about it is how unpredictable it is. You don't get a warning. Like you have three good days. And even if I do like an extra 100,000 steps, I'll then have five bad days. 
um, I think I've finally balanced it now so I can do steps. I can average up to 20,000 before I start to flake. And that's a day, which is good because before I wasn't even doing 7,000. Well, when I was off sick, I wasn't even doing 500. Um, when I went back to work, I'd have lots of rests. My inner team are very um, helpful. They're really empathetic. They say, look, take a seat. And in January we had a student, so that that automatically doesn't well it make it does slow you down. So that made me sit and take time for things I helped do in teaching and um, with things like that. It actually helped me, and I wasn't it wasn't my student. It was actually a colleague's, but it helped me to pace, which is what you and everyone else in the group have been doing for months. But that's not what I do. I just do what I want to do when I need to do it um and now we're start I'm starting to want to do more I'm back in that vicious cycle of frustration because I can't um how long it will take me to be able to do things I don't know and I think that's what's the worst bit is there's no answers and on top of that you still feel alone because if you go sick you feel like it's not a good enough reason so I've actually worked through all of my crashes. I've made sure I've gone in. I Because I feel like I'm letting everyone down because wish the NHS is overstaffed, understaffed and overworked anyway. So you feel like you need to be there. Um, and if I've got a rapport with patients, I don't want to not be there because I don't want them to have to explain everything new to somebody else when they've already done it with me. So I'm lucky that my team are good, but I just feel like there's not enough there higher up to be like, oh yeah, take as long as you need, come back on phase return, do this, do that. I got none of that. I came back into a 10 hour shift. Maybe in, in hindsight, I should have been like, I can't do this, but I didn't feel like I could. Um, so that's kind of my story really. Um, well, Keely, thank you so much for sharing that. Not only, the the depths that you went into in terms of the symptoms that you've experienced and the journey that you've had um but also with your vulnerability and and being transparent about that um not easy to do and thank you for that and um i i, I really value sharing your story with us even when it's emotional like that uh, so thank you um it's it's obviously been a real don't like the word journey it seems a bit naff doesn't it but I don't know what else to say it's just been a roller coaster isn't it like literally you you just what you described there there were so many things about the uncertainty of knowing what's going on with your body because it's out if I, am I right in thinking that you're you were May last year is that right you said yeah, yeah. May. so you're you're at the kind of what 10 month mark now yeah and you know, with that uncertainty, you, you talked about the unpredictability and the ups and downs or the episodic nature of it. And I think something that really struck me there was how important exercise is for you as a person, mm -hmm. not only in terms of your identity, but in terms of looking after your physical and mental health mm -hmm. and how trying to navigate that with a health condition that seems to be made worse by overexertion or exertion and clearly you are able to exercise 
but you then pay the price because of it, it sounds like. So this is not uh, an issue with desire of movement or not wanting to try hard enough. This is like you're you're actually pushing yourself through because you're desperate to do it. And Literally. You want to do it. And, and it was really hard when I went for my consultant appointment in December because she said to me, well, I understand where you're coming from because you play football, you do heavy lift, you weight, you lift weights. So for you, you're doing very high intensity sports to get that endorphin release to help your mental health because I have suffered with anxiety in the past and exercise has always been my outlet, always, absolutely always. Um, I've dabbled in and out of it, but I've always done some form of exercise. And I think for me, it was learning, well, I haven't, I still haven't. <laughs> it's learning to find another way in which I can do that without paying the price. And if I'm honest with you, I'm scared of when I go back to football because I can say no to going to the gym. That's fine. I, I can find some excuse in my head that makes it okay for me to not go. I can deal with that. Um, but I can't say no to playing football. <laughs> it's one or the other. And I actually met with my coach earlier this week because social distancing rules apply. Don't worry, everyone. But I was like, look, if we're going back, I still, because I he's been amazing with me. Absolutely amazing. Um, he has been one of the most supportive people for the whole thing. And as a football coach, it's probably hard because you're telling everyone to keep fit and he's telling me to rest. <laughs> and, as a, and as a physio, it's hard. You tell people to move and I've always done sports since I was a child. So for me, the biggest thing is doing nothing, but it's the best thing. And I'm starting to get really angry with people that say, oh, you sleep too much. Oh, you're not doing enough exercise. Oh, you do know that if you sleep too much, it gives you headaches. So it's probably that. And I'm like, listen, I have tried every possible thing. I've slept less. No, I've made alarm clocks so that I do get bang on eight hours, which is recommended eight to 10. No, I, if I need to sleep 10 hours, if I didn't need it, I wouldn't wake, I would, I would, I would wake up, you know? And the issue that I've had most, most of the way through is the fact, which I didn't realize was a thing until I joined the group, was the fact of kept waking up, the wired, tired, you're so exhausted, but you can't sleep. You then fall asleep, but you wake up, you toss and turn, you toss and turn, you toss and turn. So when I went to the consultant in December, she gave me melatonin and she told me to go on to sertraline um, to balance the neurotransmitters. She said the COVID's clearly got into your brain because of the brain fog and all the things you're experiencing. She mentioned to me about mental health and I said, look, I said, I'm not depressed. I don't feel like I want to die. I don't feel like I've been in that place before. I know this is different. I don't feel anxious because I feel too tired to be anxious. I'm too tired to even think. I don't even, I don't want to eat. I don't, I, I can drink water. That's fair. That's easy task. I can fill it up. I can drink it. I don't, I just want to feel awake. <laughs> you know, you don't want to feel like you set your alarm, you pull yourself out of bed. And I've always, I'm a morning person. So I don't normally need an alarm. Before this, I would wake up half five, six a.m., do a workout, go to work. I wouldn't be the person that has to set an alarm to get up. I wouldn't be the person that's tempted to roll over and turn it off. I wouldn't be the person that has a snooze button. That used to drive me insane with friends when I was growing up. I can't do that. 
but now I'm the person that I can't set a definite plan because I don't know how I'm going to feel if I say and I can't book things in for nine I know I'll be awake at eight like today I was awake at eight I couldn't get out of bed till gone 10 because I was so exhausted and it's like I crave the day off to not have to get up to go to work and it got to the point where I didn't know what else to do and then you try these medications and I don't really want to be on medications I have to take it for my asthma but you don't want to have to keep taking all this different stuff and it gets to a point where that thing then stops working like we've had discussions on the group before about sleep I've tried sleep spray I've tried lavender baths I've tried candles I've tried having my phone off an hour before bed the only thing I haven't tried is the weighted blanket which yeah I've done that and it works for me but uh, honestly like you say there things wear off that wore off for me as well so I stopped using it for a while and then I used it at night and I was like oh my god it was the best night's sleep again yeah (laughs) and like I stopped taking I went to the actually once I had it from the consultant the melatonin they can't actually prescribe it in the community then I had a nightmare because I was panicking what if I can't sleep and go to work so the consultant wrote to the GP like why can't you just give it to her then I got a new prescription for it and then it stopped working so I've recently called my GP a month ago and said look I'm going back to square one again I'm starting to crash my sleep's getting worse I can't do my job and live my life like this like I might as well not have one at all because I can't learn anything at work because I can't sleep I can't focus I can't concentrate I wake up feeling like I've not slept and you feel now I've got used to the feeling I know when it's starting to come but it's still unpredictable when it comes kind of thing So they've recently switched my medication now. So I'm on, um, it's an antihistamine. It's a blue tablet, Permex, I can't remember what it's called. Permexazine, something like that. I'm not, no, but it's a new antihistamine that makes you drowsy at night. So I've had to come off on calls because if I don't take it, I can't function the next day. But obviously I can't go to on call because I'd be drowsy. I'm not allowed to drive once I've had it. Um, and at the moment that's working um but the other things are the night terrors wow they're something aren't they I don't know if you've had them but no I've not experienced them myself no I've always had wacky weird dreams but they're just the most weirdest dreams you know that they're not possible but you still have the emotion in the dream and because I'm on the meds I can't wake up to come out of it so then you wake up like I'm okay and then you can go back to sleep um but fingers crossed since I've been on the new antihistamine because I'm getting the better sleep quality I'm actually waking up and I can get out of bed I don't second guess it that's a step forward um I'm able to function until around lunchtime before I start to crash but I can hold out until six I come home and if my mum says how's your day I can be like yeah it was okay rather than I don't want to talk about it I can have a bit of a conversation, but I'm still in my room by six because I need that time to get in bed and rest. Um, I'm now able to up my steps to around 15, 20,000 a couple of days a week. I did try a run the other week and it, like I said, it didn't work. I've not tried it since. Um, when you say it didn't work, what happened? I, well, the um, the um, my legs feel like blocks. I feel like I'm going to pass out. All my energy just drains. It's literally like that. You'll start off, I feel amazing. 
oh, this is amazing. I feel good. This is going. I can do a whole eight kilometers feeling like this. You do 200 meters and your, your body's like, nope, uh-uh, not, not at all. I start to then just come. It's literally like, you know, like in movies when you see or like, you know, when someone has a vasovagal and the color drains from their face and they go from talking to you to their eyes rolling. It's literally like that. I go from being all happy, jolly, my heart rate's about 90. I'm at a steady pace, which is still slow for me because I've had to learn to bring it back a bit. The next thing is like I'm getting my legs out of quicksand. The, 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 the energy just drains from me and I just have to sit down or I'm going to go. So it sounds like for you, because exercise has been such a vital part of your life, but it's also a trigger for your symptoms being yeah. worsened. You've gone through this incredible process of trial and error, error of trying to find amongst this unpredictability, a bit of a threshold of what you can do without it being too much. Too much. But it sounds like that threshold seems to change for you as well. It's completely, it's not static. Nope which makes it really difficult to plan what you can and can't do. do. And I think as well, sometimes it's mind over matter. So like if I'm on a run and I feel rubbish, I will stop. If I'm on a football pitch <laughs> and the ball's coming towards my end or I'm trying to help with a goal, I don't stop. The only time I will stop is if I can't breathe, which doesn't always happen. Or at the time I feel amazing and then I get the crash. And How then long I think, does that crash take to happen for you? It depends. So mm, mm, one game I turned up and I crashed in the warm up. Say that again for me. You did what, sorry? One game I turned up and we obviously warm up before and we were in the warm up and I was like, no, this is not going to go well. I was on the pitch five. I crashed in the warm up basically, but I made out I was fine because I wanted to play. And I don't, you get to a point where you don't want this to control your life. It's taken everything from me. It's taken my job. It's taken my family. It's taken my friends. It's taken my identity. It's taken who I am. I've had to find who I am without everything I love. Like, how can you even justify it? Yeah. Um, Which is so challenging, right? Yeah, and I think it happened in the warm-up and then I was on the pitch and within five minutes I heard the whistle go and I thought, I hope that's for me and I feel like it's going to be for me. I knew and he went, Keely, come on. And I went off and he was like, are you okay? And I was like, no. Is that your coach then? Yeah. Does that mean that your coach can spot your signs as well? I think he knows when, he knows when I can't run. Right. He can tell, I think, because where I'm like a not I wouldn't say I'm a fast runner but I have a lot of endurance and I am I have got quicker so I think for him if I'm not up and down that line and he sees me starting to do this or I'm like like breathing or I'm like pass it down the other wing I never say no to the ball unless I really need to so I think he can tell if I'm not not if I'm not pulling my weight that's how you'd say it to someone that's lazy but he can tell if I'm not at my best so he'll pull me off so it and sounds that, like he's quite a, a useful strategy for you uh, when yeah. it's, it's something you love and 
you're like a dog with a bone. You're going for the ball, whether you like it or not, you're off. (laughs) And it sounds like it's, it's, it can be immediate for you, but there can be the delayed consequences. So this is the post-exertional malaise or uh, neurological exhaustion that people talk about. It's awful. And I want to come back to something, if that's all right. You mentioned this period of you were doing football, whether your body said it or not, you were going to go for it. And then lockdown season two happened in the UK. So that was kind of like Christmas, New Year period, and then into January, and we're still in it now. And you mentioned this period has been enforced pacing for you because you've not been allowed to play football. Yep. What's been the difference for you between this period of you knew that exercise was making your symptoms worse, but you wanted to do it, so you did it. And then you weren't allowed to do it. So I haven't done it. Yeah, so what's what's been the difference for you? I think for me, because we're not allowed to play football and I don't want to put weight on, I don't want to stay unfit, I've utilised walking. So, and the weather hasn't, touch wood, been horrific ish i mean if we had had three months of rain i would probably be saying something completely different right now because i won't be work going out to walk in the rain when i've had a long day at work but if it's windy or like today the sun's out um and there's a little place where i live called saint mary's island and it's like a lap and on the other side by the chatham boat marina you see the sunset so i normally start the other side and walk around and obviously like if we're allowed to meet one friend for that exercise, it's a catch up or it's like a 40 minute walk, about 6,000 steps. I did try running it last year. No go. So I left it and I just walk there now. It's my walking place. And I think for me, if I can go out on a three hour walk and come back, I feel like I've accomplished something. I think this try is psychological, isn't it? Like you want to accomplish something. If it's anything, I want to do it. But it has to be something that still makes me feel tired. So I feel like I've done something, but doesn't make me crash. So like the other week I went out on like a 14 kilometer walk and I was on my way back. And the last bit that should have took me 20 minutes took me 45. And I thought, yeah, you've done too much here. Um, And I messaged my boss and said, I think I'm going to be crashing because I've got a headache. My body's aching. I've got into bed and it's felt like I've been hit by a bus. Um, So I just drank a lot of water and I got an earlier night. I slept 11 hours and I woke up the next day and I felt okay. I didn't crash as bad as I thought. Um, Had that been a 14 kilometer run, if I had been able to do it, it might have been a bit different. But I don't know. I think it's just psychological because I know I'm not allowed. To, I'm not missing out, am I? I'm not missing out on the football game because it's not happening. So I'm OK with not playing. Whereas if it was running. And I've been brought off or the game was on, but I had to say no, I would feel like a failure because. It's on, but I've not gone. I think that's what it is. So. It it sounds like for you, there's a distinction, isn't there, between a normal response to activity. Like you said, I I feel like I've got to a point of feeling tired because I've exerted myself enough. That, That good feeling of exercise. 
versus there's that threshold of I'm going to crash now mm -hmm. and I'm going to pay for this now and for a period of time that I cannot predict. Yep. And with this for you, I'm getting a sense here of there being a bit of a conflict between what you want to do and feel you need to be able to do and then kind of some different advice that's coming from different directions around people saying rest and pace um, and also advice around physical activity and exercise being good for people's health it feels like there's a conflict here and you're stuck in the middle of it and trying to find your path through this and it seems like it's a bit of a muddy path it's very muddy and I feel like some days are better than others and I feel like I'm in a conscious vicious cycle that is never ending. If I'm being rational and listening to what I've read, what I've learned, I'm on a good wavelength. Like at the moment, I feel semi-okay with where I'm at because if I want to go for a 40 minute walk, I can. Um, and when I met my coach last week for a quick session, with all the rules and staying apart. I felt okay at the time. In the evening, I ate, had a headache, but because luckily we hadn't seen each other in so long because of the lockdown, we did a lot of talking because I feel like if it was a proper session, I wouldn't have felt as good the next day as I did. So in hindsight, he did me a favor by talking and doing less football than we would have done. But it made me feel good by going because I knew at the time I felt good, but this is where it's going to get sticky when I go back because I didn't get the warning signs. I felt fine the whole time we, I was playing. I felt like I could have ran a whole game. I felt amazing. So when I go back, that's going to be what's interesting. Have I done enough? Because it's not fitness for me. Obviously, there's an element of fitness on top, but it's not fitness that makes me feel the way I feel. And I think that's what people need to realize. My coach realizes it, but I mean, other people, friends, other professionals, they need to realize that these people that are more elite than me, that are, that are in higher clubs, like it's not fitness stopping us doing what we want to do. It's our body saying that's too much. And that's the important thing that needs, I think needs to be addressed because Yes, I'm probably unfit. Obviously, I'm not stupid. It takes, it takes six to 12 weeks for any adaptations to occur, for acclimatization to occur. I understand that. But if I've gone, if I'm normally fit and well, and I've played sport my whole life, I've been out and about my whole life, up the park for hours playing football as a child and my brothers with friends. If I then can't do a 30 minute warm up, that's not fitness. That's my body saying oh I don't like this I'm not ready for you to do this you need to stop right now or I'm gonna kick you later and it's gonna be hard like your legs just don't it's it, your legs just don't give way like that like they don't and I was trying to explain it to friends like exhaustion syndrome with weightlifting I've had it before at uni when I was really stressed but I didn't know what it was 
I'd go to the gym one week, I'd lift 60, 70 kilos. The next week I could only do 40 and my muscles would just give. They just, they don't hurt. They just won't do it. And that's what I'm finding when I work out now. Like if I try and do like a leg day, I can't, I do like one rather than overloading myself, which is what you do to build muscle. It's what we're learned. We're taught throughout a whole degree. That's exercise for a purposeful activity to improve fitness, right? Exactly. Rather than doing a leg day, then an arm day, then a back day, like I would normally, I'm having to do one shoulder exercise, one back exercise, one glute exercise, one knee exercise. And I don't get DOMS. It doesn't feel, it's not DOMS. I can't work my muscles to exhaustion to get pro, to build the muscle. I can't, I can't physically do it because my body won't allow it. Um, the muscles just don't. It's like they just say, energy's gone now, bye. And I think this is a really important point that you're raising here, Keely, because it's, it's actually the debate that seems to be recurring in the physio world at the moment, isn't it? Which is difference between uh, exercise and physical activity and uh, activities of daily living. Um, how does your exercise compared to an 80 year old's exercise where for them it may be walking but for you it's playing a full uh, football match but then because you're unwell you're limited to walking so does that make walking exercise for you and it sounds like the answer's possibly difficult to answer that because you're unwell and you have symptoms and now you're just trying to keep active and this is not about repetitive movements for purposeful fitness like you do with playing football and getting to the gym. This is about trying to keep on top of just moving and being active for your health and well-being. Yeah, ultimately, I want to go back to being able to do a leg day, an upper body day in the gym and then play football. I'll be happy with that. I can compromise that much. Um, so that's why I've tried. That's why I got a barber that's 10 kilos and I've tried a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I've done a leg day. And it was too much because even though it was a leg day, my whole body ached for a week. So I was like, right, too much. Definitely not. So that's why I've tried the one exercise on each part. Um, and that worked a bit better. I only ate for four days, <laughs> but it's not a Dom's ache. This is what I can't say to people. It's not like, it's not the delayed onset muscle soreness. It's not, it's, I don't know how to explain it. I feel every joint. I feel every muscle fiber. Everything just hurts. It's not like that Dom's feeling that you love when you can't get off the toilet because you've done a heavy leg day. It's not like that. It's a, I've done too much to the muscle when it's not ready for it yet. So, and the, the other thing is I can't make a plan. And that's the thing when you want to, have a healthy fitness you need to have a plan in place to get your fitness back I can't do that because just because I've got Thursday Friday off doesn't mean I can do exercise on those days I've tried it and it doesn't work like that if I wake up on the Thursday and I feel like like death or I'm tired or I ache I can't do that workout I can't do that run I can't even go for a walk on those days. I have to just accept the fact that that's going to be a day that I'm in bed watching Netflix and my steps will be just around the house. If I normally rest in the morning, in the evening, I might be able to do a walk. If not, I don't. I leave it 
but that's the hardest thing like before I'd be like oh yeah I've got Thursday off I could do a heavy leg day smash it out for the whole week and then I'll feel accomplished for the whole week but I can't do that I can't yeah. even do like prep for football yeah and I think that's that's going to be for people listening a really important distinction between a normal response that's anticipated and expected to mm-hmm. exertion and activity and exercise which is delayed onset muscle soreness, that 24 to 48 hours later, ache in the muscle, which is completely expected and is normal. And what you said gives you that kind of endorphin, high, happy feeling, I've worked out hard. But what you're describing sounds like post-exertional malaise, um, which is that symptom of everything's just been drained from you and it's 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 a it's a symptom that affects multiple parts of your body and it's not just in the muscles it affects the way that you think and you process and you breathe and your chest and your heart rate and everything it's it's systemic isn't it and and I think that's it you know the the advice with post-exertional malaise is not to push through is is not to exercise through it and I think the story you've told is going to resonate with so many people which is that the advice may be there but how to the reality of that advice yeah is the implications of that how to take the advice from like the the advice I give my patients every day and how do we live that ourselves and I think we've all lived that as physios living with long COVID haven't we which is Mm. we know that it makes us worse. We know that we can't push through. Um, well, we could push through, but we know what pushing through means and the repercussions of that for days or longer, weeks. Um, you know, when when I've done that before, I ended up in a four month crash, <laughs> which was not fun. Um, yeah. So, you know, like I think we need to be clear that the advice is there not to push through post-exertion malaise, but the reality of it is different for many people. And I think your story will resonate with so many and that the the ups and downs and the cyclical episodic patterns and how people will feel and, and really resonate with how important it feels to want to be physically active, but your body's just not playing ball. ball. Nope. And we don't, we know that this is not new. This has been reported by communities of people living with MECFS for a long time. And we know that the research is there um, to demonstrate why this happens uh, to a degree. Um, yeah. But we, there's still so much more to learn. Um, and, and, and I hope that what we can learn through long COVID will benefit not only communities of people living with long COVID around the world, but also other people that are living with post-infectious complications um, like MECFS and other conditions um, that are having similar uh, presentations to uh, challenges with exertion. So I, I'm, I think your story is going to resonate, it's going to be valuable to people. Um, and it's also a warning to us, isn't it, as well? You know, like how to learn to pace and not push through um, and listen to our bodies. Um, yeah, and, how to and it's something it. I'm still learning. You have yeah. to balance the guilt with the knowledge. Like everything that I've built, everything that I've put in place for myself is not there. I can't use it. And... Yeah. It's like when they said, 
like one time someone said to me, oh, you need to find something else. Why don't you try yoga? Have you ever told? (laughs) Like, have you ever told someone that does running, weightlifting to try yoga and get the same satisfaction? It just doesn't work. Yeah. And I've tried to move my goals. I tried to add a goal for this lockdown to, to be able to do the splits when I've when I've finished the lockdown to have another focus. I've done three yoga sh- sessions. That's it. It's just not me. I, I laugh because it's almost like a joke, isn't it? Um, yeah. Like the, have you done yoga though? Like, <laughs> yeah, like that- so yoga could be easy. Yoga could be really hard, but like, it's also just another type of exertion. So if exertion is making you worse, that's not going to make you better. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not even that. The yoga's not that bad. It's just the fact that I don't feel, you don't get the same endorphin release. It's like telling yeah. a rugby player to go fishing. <laughs> a guy that runs around the pitch and clearly works out multiple times a week to then sit on his backside and catch fish. You just don't. Yeah. You know, and I just think, for me, even though I try to do like yoga and things like that, it's good for a med- meditative point of view. It, it is good. And I do try to still do it. I got really good. At, I did three days in a row the other week and then I haven't done it. I haven't done it since because I just, when you're tired, you just need to rest. And if I'm not so tired, I don't want to do yoga. I want to go outside and walk. I want to what I want to do, I can't do. So there's no point wanting it anymore. I've, I've had to move the goalpost so far down that it's almost not worth having one. But I just feel like the real test will be when we're allowed to do things again. Um, because I've pushed the boundaries, but when you're walking, you still only push it so far, you know? Um, and I stick to the same routes because I know that even if I'm on a bad day, it's not too much. So it's like I've psychologically put a plan in place to not overdo it because I do the same route. So I can't really do too much with that route because it's the same. Yeah. So even if it's a bad day, I still come to the same ending with the same amount of steps, mm. you know? So I've put things in place so that I don't overdo it. But yeah. Uh, I've, I've, I've got a final question for you, if that's all right. So we're anticipating that we are gonna come out of lockdown and football will be open again and there'll be things happening. Through all of this, what's the message that you would, if you weren't you, but you were speaking to someone that was you, (laughs) what would be the message that you would tell them? In terms of, when things go back to normal or yeah what would you do to get to manage what I would say to myself to do is different to what I'm going to do I I expected that That, that's why I worded it the way I did I may have just sat down for an hour and told you that I've learned to listen to my body, but I'm still playing those games when they happen next month. (laughs) Okay, so so let's start with what would you tell someone else (laughs) and then probably what what is going to (laughs) happen? Okay, so what I would tell someone else is don't waste the last three to four months of hard work 
don't push yourself too far that there's a crash listen to your body and make sure you prioritize the things you know that work so that you have some kind of system in place for if you're getting to that point and if you do crash just go off sick don't try and work through it because you'll probably make it you'll make it worse you'll make it take longer and just remember that you have to be patient um I come from a very impatient background so to me 10 months is patient I'm sorry and by the time I get back to playing it'll be nearly a year and that's just diabolical in my eyes to have my life taken away from me for that long mm. however I have to be grateful that there's people that have it had it can take taken away completely um but this is a this I feel like this is we're going to be a disability that is going to be around for a long time and I think it's going to take a while for people to really understand that everybody the worst bit is everyone's different and the way I react to something will be completely different to the way you react we've got people in our group that can't even have a shower without their heart rate going through the roof so I do need to be grateful that I can do that um but yeah, I would just say, listen to your body and just take your time and take baby steps. Are you going to listen to your advice? Ah! Um, honestly. Baby, baby, I can see it in your face. You're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but no. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> there we go. Our training sessions are normally on a Tuesday. That still gives me five days to rest before a Sunday. I've already made sure that I've got every weekend off after this month. Um, so the answer is, I mean, I'm still going to play. If, if my coach is brilliant and I'm very honest with him and he knows me just as well as I know myself. And he's very, he said to me, if I see what I see, I will do it. And I said, you have to, because I won't. And we've got a mutual understanding. And I think only time will tell. We're going to have a couple of, we're going to have two to three weeks, hopefully, of training before we can play games. And I think the best thing for me to do right now is to not force it, wait until I go to training. Um, he's really good. So if I need to sit out, I can, and I will at training. A game might be slightly different. Um, so, and the thing, the other bit is we have to, it depends on the day. I've done a 90 minute game and felt fine the day after, but then a week later I've done 15 minutes and I've crashed for a week. I think that's what's important for people to realize. And in the warm up, I can feel like I'm going to crash, but then I'm absolutely fine. But then another week in the warm up, I feel fine and I get to the game and I'm brought off the pitch. That's how unpredictable this is. So, as long as I'm not pulling my weight and well, obviously I'm going to be trying to pull weight, but as long as he recognizes me out and brings me off ASAP, I feel like we'll be fine. And the answer to your question extent, yes, but probably not. No, because I want to play. <laughs> well, it that sounds like game, more, um, sorry, go on, carry on. I was just going to say, if that game is the one bit of light I get every week, then I'm going to take it because yeah. You can't live your life wondering what's next. 
and that's how we've all probably lived our lives for the last 10 to 12 months yeah. and I just feel like you have bad obviously if I start to completely crash I will have to stop but as long as I can handle it I will do it well it sounds like your coach is going to be a really good support for you um so I want to say thank you for sharing your story today and the honesty um, in the challenges and the uh, battles you faced between navigating uh, being a physically active person um, and living with a, a condition that is making that really difficult. Um, so I want to thank you for that. And I, as I said, I am sure that your story will resonate with others. Um, and I, I want you to look after yourself uh, and, and listen to some of that advice as well that you're going to that you give, gave to others. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'll check in with you in a month's time and we'll see how it's. Going. Oh, yeah. We'll do podcast season two, won't we? And then we'll see how we're doing then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wait until end of May when we finish what we're doing. And, uh, I'll let you know. <laughs> Lovely. Well, I'm going to say thank you very much for now and I'll end the recording. All right. Thank you.